Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back to the creep tag. Now you're not to let what that knitting doing? instruction interfere with the microphone. <laughs> the pattern. Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous, Jen. Of all the things. It's unbecoming of you. I'm on uh, my second little baby cardigan. This one's pink, as you can see. For your baby boy. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Oh, we named the baby in the car on the way over. Ernest. I like it. Ernie Excellent. White. Ernie White. No, yeah. that's class. Yeah. yeah. Love it. I like Ari, Rue and Ernie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what are they? They're like a trio of misfits. Ari, Rue and Ernie. Like elderly men, um, but, uh, never married, living together. Still like, do- doting on their stunning aging mother. They sound like men that drink drive in the country. Like. <laughs> What everyone oh. aspires to for their children. Did that? Did you hear my belch? Yeah. Welcome Ugh. back to the creep dive. I hate when people call them belches. What's it's wrong? Extra. It's just gross. We have to talk about our lives, guys. <laughs> they were oh, absolutely yeah, people, gas. People are probably uh, <gasps> wondering. So we'll just tell you the plan. Oh. Uh, we can't record in the last weekend of no or the last week of November. So you go because you guys are both away. Yeah. So we've been very forward planning. That's right. I'm going to a remote cottage in Kerry to await my murder. And I'm going to Centre Parks. <laughs> to <erase>. Together. <laughs> well, now that I have the option to go away, who knows where I'll go? I don't know. Well, you should when. just record a solo creep dive. That would be so sad. And I'd scare the shit out of myself. <laughs> it actually would be scary, wouldn't it? Yeah. But we, we are forward planning. You guys gave plenty of notice. The best girls on the network. <laughs> Told us you were going away. We decided to record an episode this week and bank the live for when you guys are We going. had the best crack at the live shows. Thank you very much Thank to everyone you who came. so much to all our creeps. We had loads and loads. Sorry, it sounded like one of those people. People came up after and were very nice to us uh, in an acknowledging. Was it just last week? Was it? Yes. 
It feels like a really long time ago. No, week before last. No, it wasn't. It was like yes. 10 days ago. Yeah. Huh. I got an exercise band from a lovely woman in the audience. That's and I it. can report that it is way more comfortable than my old exercise band. Uh, I really you. have to say I love when Creep Dive listeners bring gifts. Oh, yes. That wool. <gasps> the wool. Is so Did you get beautiful. more wool? No, I've still been knitting. I keep meaning to bring it in here to You're show to you show how me to how to do, do the, the snowflake that I'll never make. No, you will, Jen, because they're so easy. Literally 10 minutes. No, no. Um, no. Just, just no. no. I think Scout just took a shit wrapper out of my bag. Oh, there you go. Oh, babes. No, no, anyway, no, look, the most happen. important thing we have to talk about regarding the lives is that. The actual presence of a ghost. Thank you, Cassie. Yeah. A thing did happen at the set. Don't be now pissed off if you came to the first and you missed this. But do be because this so was really frightening. We all had individual experiences, I think, with this woman. But I'm baffled by it, right? I noticed her and thought it was strange. I first noticed her when we were doing the show and Sophie asked, has anyone not heard of the creep dive? And she put up her hand. And I was like... What oh, are this you one doing is on here? her own? What a weird thing to come to on your own, not being a fan. And plenty I... of people came on their own, which I think is great. We're very friendly, but <laughs> this woman had claimed to never have heard of us yet was there on her own, sitting front row, front sitting and front center. Row. Well, front and side. And then it was later that we copped that the second night had actually been the first night we sold, and we put it up for sale. Told our Patreons first because that's oh, one of the patron perks. It. And it sold out in Completely. under an hour only to Patreons. So, so everyone who was there, unless they were dragging someone along. Yeah. Everyone who was there was, was a patron, essentially. Yeah. Except, Except for, this, for this ghost. Now, I ushered her into the house. Did you? Because I... <laughs> Because I so I was wearing I was in uh, my Travis Chimp costume was and I was good, standing excellent. outside the house, kind of you know not saying anything, just guiding with my chimp hand people As, into the and house. And we took that in turns. We all did that mm-hmm. at some stage, and it was a lot of like, yeah, hello, how are you? And even though I was wearing a mustache and a grey wig, mm. people still recognised us, obviously, as the creep dive, mm. and they came in. Once or twice I said to people, are you here for the creep type? And they said no. And they walked along. <laughs> so there I, were people... I didn't now, I didn't say welcome. I didn't say anything. But I it was just obvious ushered from... her in. And so she came in and she sort of hung around that lobby area. And then other people came in and I was pointing them into the waiting room. Creepy yes. room to your left. Stand there until we tell you to move. And uh, I was doing that to someone saying stand there. And she said, can I not go upstairs? And I said, no, stand in there until it's the show starts. It'll be on in a few minutes, except in a nice way, I was saying. Jen, she's dripping in charisma. She um, was wearing sort of a hood, like a, she was had a hood up, yeah? A shawl A shawl thing. She was dressed as Peg. No, no, she... E-E-I-G. But you, because you're not... No, it wasn't a costume, but... But you weren't the only person to say that. Everyone said that. Everyone made that comparison. So she said... I, I, she said can I go upstairs I said no she said but I want to have a look around and I said you can look around when we all go upstairs because she used to live there in the 1900s yes. when it was a tenement so she was beautiful uh, totally made up lovely lady look, very attractive and um, very nice and very well to do kind of vibes so 
in she went, right? And then we started the show. And she mm. came up with the gang and she, she no, put her hand. No, before oh. that, I have more to this story. But I was going to say, then people started telling us what she was no. doing downstairs. So Lydia was there and she had two friends that we were waiting on to come, also dressed as Lawn Chair Larry. Absolutely brilliant coincidence. We're brilliant. obviously all uh, just destined to be the best of friends. One of, then when they came in, they text Lydia or text each other saying, there's an actual ghost lady here on the stairs. And they were like, oh, no, I can't see her. It's weird. I was talking to Emily Glenn, who is the host of Fair Game on the Tall Tales Network. She was there on the, on the second night. And she said the lady went into the room and was like staring out the window and freaking people out to the point that they assumed we had she was hired her show. to scare people. Absolutely meant so mental. Then Lydia... Lydia's two pals were running late so she ran up the stairs and my mother the last to arrive you, uh, that so was Lydia, pointedly just rude frankly always was, committed she got lost. to pissing you off absolutely <laughs> lost right so Lydia ran up the stairs to save the seats for her two friends my mom and my mom's three friends that she brought along <laughs> and the lady was sitting in the front row and Lydia said oh these are reserved and she, she they ignored her or didn't hear her and it just became weird. She couldn't move her. So she was the f- she was upstairs before everyone else had gone up. So she'd obviously ignored your warning and gone ahead and gone upstairs. Ah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Check out her old digs. Yeah. So then we started the show. You asked had anybody seen the creep or not heard the creep out. She put up her hand. I was like getting weird vibes off this lady because I was sitting in the seat to the left looking at her. At one point, I thought she was knitting because she was doing something with her hands like she was doing something with her hands rosary beads no she either had like something like a long string wrapped around her phone that she was wrapping around but she was making this kind of like she was making rosary this kind beads. of movement yeah with her hands and i was nearly said how, how did you have you just honest to god never heard of the creep dive and you've come along and you're knitting in the audience because <laughs> i was like <laughs> you'll like us fitting. but i just was like she's not gonna get because she didn't laugh because the first story was horse fucking again. She by didn't Sophie, enjoy it. And she didn't enjoy it. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't enjoy a good But fuck she didn't. But like people were getting out to go to the toilet. Like she didn't get up to leave. Well, she was in the furthest point from leaving. She doesn't leaving. need no. toilet because don't need to toilet. She was on the row opposite, but there was she a never door near her. She said the creepiest bit. She was mouthing she, incantations to the she, women across from so her. So the way the room was situated, it's difficult to described we were in an old house across the two what would have been the dining room, room and the sitting and room the sitting room with a kind of partition, partition doors and it was a big you turned into big one big room and we were in the middle of the room so the the audience was either, either side. side and uh, that means the first front rows were facing, facing each, each other. other with us between so as soon as the show ended it was a creepy people sandwich. started coming individually up to us saying who was that lady? Specifically two girls who were sitting opposite her who were saying the whole way through the show she was smiling and mouthing things at us. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck? Another girl said downstairs that she was doing the same thing to her. Ah. But it makes sense if she was, she might have actually been doing rosary beads and doing something because yeah. she was fiddling with her hands. And mouthing. No, she praying. might. We might what have. What a weird show. Very. Jesus. She literally was cleansing herself during the penetrating of the horses and all the various grim and then tales. the next day on Twitter people were like 
so can we talk about the actual ghost lady who was there yeah. now up until tonight I didn't realise you'd actually seen her again in the house because I thought I spoke she to Dan she had appeared into the house yeah I spoke to Dan at night and I said do you remember her coming in because we were all standing outside for a really long time so she she obviously came in early on in the night I tell a lie I didn't guide her in from the road I was already in the lobby when she came past me she was in the Dan house and I, I were at the door and I don't remember her coming in and I was at the door waiting for my mother who was the last to arrive and I was at the door early because I was anxious she about was the definitely not the last inside. to arrive no she wasn't no. the last to arrive my mother and I closed the door so nobody saw her outside no one saw her house. come in now someone because on, she lives in no the someone on Twitter said that they were talking to her Oh no, someone said they were talking to her inside the house. That's right. And she said she had just seen the, the crowd outside and had come in. But that also could have been, there was another lady who came to the house and wanted to talk to the owner. That's right. There was another lady who, who exactly. we had she let was in. Alive. She was she, We had seen her outside, alive. we talked to her. She had no interest whatsoever in watching the show. That was a no. truly weird thing to have happened. Now, if she's a new listener, we apologise. You, you Make yourself known on at Dive Creep on I, Twitter. I, or, or at the Creep Dive, the creep on, dive Instagram. on Instagram. Or at Cassia If anyone was at the show... And, and remembers I, Peg. Peg, please tell us about it. any thoughts. But I was so creeped out <laughs> after... So the... the after the show, went home, slept soundly, was happy out, thought it was a great show, really enjoyed it. And then the next day, I was so creeped out looking at things on Twitter that I was starting to get pan. This is the kind of thing that scares me. <laughs> Started to get a little bit. Did you she had entered your body? No, it just was a bit like, <laughs> just like, that was creepy, didn't like it. Um, So I went through every picture I could find of people who had put up a picture to see if I could see her in any of the photos and I couldn't except for one person shared with us a picture that they had taken from the second row and they were standing right behind her but I haven't been able to see her face oh yeah because I can't so the picture's taken from over the ghost yeah you could just see her hood or her scarf or whatever the the stall but somebody else shared a pic of orbs yes in the basement then I got a brilliant reply to that though and someone else was was like guys it's you fucking moron (laughs) whatever but whatever to that person and then someone else was talked about um, our ghost woman and said oh also she had an iPhone (laughs) but I still think that's okay if you were a ghost and you wanted to blend in of course you're going to have an iPhone I know maybe the iPhone died 20 years ago Um, anyway yeah guys it was weird it was weird and I can't stop thinking about it and any time anyone asks me about the show I say an actual physical ghost was there and they're like that's weird or no they're like haha I'm like no we're I'm serious I think that she was part of the house I then convinced myself that Jeno DWYE or had hired her to scare the two of us because it's a very Jeno DWYE or move but then I said yeah, and Jen and Dan are so extra about Halloween yeah that I thought you guys had organised it between the two of you maybe and then I thought maybe you guys had done it but you were you you the two of you were surprised at the show when people were mm. like that was weird oh no one girl was like oh, amazing work with the whole you know the prop in the audience so I was like what the fuck are you talking about what are you talking about? And it was this woman. So if anyone met her and was terrified by her and assumed that we had hired her to scare you, we, we didn't. hadn't. We didn't and we're scared too. The fucking house was an absolute, I mean, it's totally terrifying, isn't it? Anyways, brilliant. Thanks for coming. So enjoyable. We're going to do a Christmas creep in a Dublin city centre location. TBC. We'll let you know.
Yeah. But um, we I think we're going to let you know pretty soon, though. Yeah, we're going to let you know very soon. And It'll be a charity. We're going to be doing it for charity. Yeah. Yes. Creeps care. Creeps care. Can we take a small little cream off the top of that, or is a hundred percent charity? Shut I'll up, bring Jen. you. I'll bring you so many treats yeah. on the night. Fucking we'll just, have sweets. Sophie will bake you something. I'll bring you some treats. We'll spoil you rotten. <laughs> what charity are we hitting? Well, so TBC. There's yeah. a small charity based in Dunleary specializes in um, helping in to raise Dan, two small children. <laughs> <laughs> the charity is called O-D-W-Y-E-R. That's going to be great. We'll tell you all about it later. But back to the show. Amazingly creepy event that was. Sorry if we've just, I don't, I think that, I don't think we've bored people with that. No, it's Stay a legit there, creep. It's an actual well, creep. Was she our creep, creep of the week? Because there's another one. Oh no, we've loads of creeps of the week. Fuck me. T T one T I T I T dot I dot. In the name of Christ, I hadn't heard. I assumed he died. Now, who is he? He's a rapper. Yeah, I'm. I think he had right because when I saw, it, I was like, yeah, T I. That's vaguely familiar. I think he had perhaps maybe one, one well-known song back in the day I'm assuming with somebody else T.I. Rapper horrifying this guy anyway he was he, this was during a podcast that this came out this came out of his mouth okay come on hit me I don't really know what the story is actually okay, oh so. Sophie you are in for a treat it's something about his daughter's vagina right yeah, yeah. his daughter Daya 18 okay he talked about how Daya he, wait vulva or both. He's kind of talking about both there, isn't mm, he? Could be a full vagina. He goes with her to the gynecologist once a year before her birthday. It's something related to her birthday. Um, it's a nice tradition. In order oh, to takes her to the gynae. For the gynecologist to confirm she's still a virgin. He said this. <laughs> That's not science. In a podcast with two female hosts. Oh my God. Who oh yeah. in their defense. Now continuously laughed through this whole fucking thing. In- initially. Were they just Because they presumed laughing? he was joking. You know this. Don't give him the click. Get that fucker like out of here. Turn that shite off. He'd be playing. It's the remix to ignition next. Oh my gosh. So anyway, awful. never mind about that. Back to TI. Okay. T1. Terminal 1. Um, He is a fucking lunatic. So he. They, the what hosts, gynecologist is claiming to be able to ascertain virginity? Well, the hymen check. The hymen. But, but, but also, you're dead right. They're no. hymen. Can and this, break is what they, this is what the doctor has said back to T.I. Oh, it's the doctor keeps trying. Yeah, the doctor is not part oh. of this, like, oh. elaborate, this is a good idea, mate. He mm. is saying... Please stop this. He's saying, please stop this. They have to sign some sort of special waivers. Mm. And uh, the doctor has said that also, yeah, hymen isn't an indicator of virginity. And also you can, the, the hymen can be broken in many other ways, including horse riding and bike riding which which T.I. says she ain't riding no bikes she ain't riding no horses <laughs> is that a direct quote I'm pretty sure that was word for word what he had said it was something yeah. of that vein horrifying thing to listen to Hell. from the host perspective continuous laughter and then kind of silent laughter and then a realisation that he's serious oh. and it's altogether completely bizarre so this hymen check happens in um some countries in the world and I think from what I read for the most part the doctors will the gynecologist whoever is examining the poor girls will for the most part 
just always say the hymen is intact because the repercussions of right would could be death for some women um anyway this so obviously daya is on twitter and things and people are tagging her and we're getting in touch to say your dad's a fucking creep and uh she's started to like like these comments (laughs) uh in one that just said this is beyond possessive in response to her story about her famous dad she's she's liking she liked that one this disgusting possessive and controlling uh all of these comments so obviously people are fucking outraged uh ti holding his ground so holding his ground not apologizing and continuing to take some weird ass pride in his daughter's intact hymen it's fucking nuts gross very appropriate uh creep of the week and also like so weirdly sexual with your daughter i mean what the fact that he's there in the room, it's all like lines are being crossed everywhere. So many millions of them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, horrific. Jesus, get out of her vulva, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Talk about being way yeah. too far up your daughter. <laughs> Is her mum around her? No comment yet. Oh. Um, another creep of the man alive that's bad though is very it? bad I have a kind of creep of the week that leads me into this sort of um, platter of amuse bouche creeps that I have for oh, you guys do you have a kind of a tapas like a dim sum I have a tapas creep I've got three creeps two of which are updates to previous creeps oh I've got Love one of them it. you've got one Look, of them I'm yeah. not gonna be able to keep going I have to get back on the floor I'm sorry Sophie's obviously do you uh, want to take that microphone take this down with, with you. you do you I want will. the yoga mat le- le- I'll take my do you want bag. me to lay out the yoga mat wah 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 oh my god it's such grim times now here she comes she's so unusual she's balled up her blanket here's the mic alright Amazing. Sorry, it's just okay. me and you, Cassie. Just on the ground there. That's actually You can kind of see me though. You can see her and we got these great new mic stands. Move that mic closer to your face though. And they uh you're you're right down beside it. That's really appropriate actually. <sighs> is that better? God. This fucking baby thing inside me is just so bloody obstreperous. My youngest baby has shit on this carpet. I know. Oh ah, my god, I forget that all the time. Now, uh, likes to roll around in it, so it probably smells the dog, and it's kind of cute, and I like her to do it. Okay, Cass, give us a tap on the ass. Fuck, I know the updates, and I'm excited about them. Our first one, my favorite creep. Mm, She's back. She's back. (gasps) It was only a matter of time. Samantha has a party. Samantha has a party. Samantha, Samantha, Samantha. My favorite creep and my favorite creep title. It was actually the first creep dive episode we've ever put out. GP, oh my God, who is she? Oh, it lovely is, title. It was great. Samantha as a party. You will remember her from our first episode. You may also remember her as the girl who turned up outside the GPO in Dublin in 2013, seemingly lost, seemingly wandered. We all fell for it. Thought she was a traffic child who couldn't speak English. The Gardy made the controversial decision to release a photograph of her taken from the footage outside the G- CCTV footage, at which point she was recognized as an international con artist. She since she then what went on. What age was she then again? At that time, she was 
25 mm. mid 20s we're talking 24 between 24 and 26 i'm pretty sure she's 25 um she, what's between 24 and 26 again 25 <laughs> thereabouts could have been any of the three but I'm, i would put a bet on 25 um depending on her month of birth but <laughs> she then went on to complete a couple of other cons including pretending to be she had previously conned school teachers in australia uh going by the name of Lindsay Lohan. It was Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan at one point. That's right. And um, there was someone else who was also famous. Then she met a poor girl traveling in the States, convinced her she was some sort of international royalty. There was a lot. Yeah. Go back, listen to that episode. She is a bad con artist, but a brilliant story. (laughs) But she's at it again. Samantha has been arrested um so where do we leave samantha do we do you remember we left samantha is it canada no she was she was in canada she just walked into a police station and said she was a lost child at which point they recognized her internationally from that's that right in the gpos they, they recognize her i think the last time we last left samantha was au pairing <gasps> in australia yeah that's right Rumors that she had come back to Ireland and au paired here for like two weeks and then and then run off again. But um, 31 year old has been arrested wearing a school uniform with an infant perched on her hip and oh. another girl trailing behind her. Yes, Samantha as a party has kidnapped two children. Oh, what? oh my God. Well, she hasn't kidnapped, kidnapped. Um. A Pasco Vale couple back in back in Australia hired Samantha as a party two weeks um, about two, probably about three weeks ago at this stage um, f- to be their live in nanny for their daughters aged four and ten months. The oh parents had no idea that they were actually hiring Australia's most notorious fraudster. Um, as a party told the couple she was taking the girls to uh, a day out near uh, Geelong which is obviously a place in Australia um, but took them to Bendingo instead um, after she walked into a mental health care centre she was recognised by a member of staff um, they charged her with offences ranging from child stealing to giving a false name handling stolen goods and forging documents to secure employment as an au pair Were those handling the children the no, hi, the stolen goods relate to a passport <laughs> and driver's license that she had that be- belonged Did to she a kidnap Melbourne the woman. Child, yeah, child well, yeah, because stealing. she told her parents she was going. They were go. She told the parents she was taking them to this place, Geelong, and she actually was spotted somewhere else. So Christ only knows where she was. Um, where she was Planning. heading. Child she, stealing sounds like a kind of a lighter version of kidnap. Kidnapping, like child yoinking. <laughs> like it's okay. She was just child yoinking. It's gotcha. not as sinister at all. Yeah. And well, what's the so, story of the school uniform? Yeah, so she's dressed in a, a blue and white school uniform with a hat. It's very Madeline. <gasps> it is very cute. Oh my Not God. like the McCann version. But she's no. 31 years old. She's 31 years oh, old. Oh, stop it, Samantha. Stop trying to go back to school. Do you remember she was like, Obsessed do you remember part of her story was school. basically never been kissed? Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> she has gone to school to pretend to be different people. Is there like a photograph online that we can see of her? Um, in 
that uniform. There is, a, yeah, you can see the, she's walking along drinking milk. So the, the, kill, the, kids are, the kids are blurred out, but she's clearly holding a baby and the four-year-old, like a good, weird, she's three in, feet behind she her. She is in like an, it's very 19th century French, French <laughs> schoolgirl uniform. From um, a fairy tale. From a fairy tale. <laughs> um, yeah, so the video taken in the cafeteria shows as a party drinking the milk as she carries the tiny mother while the four-year-old walks behind. Um, she has been accused at this stage of conning authorities across three continents amassing more than 40 aliases Amazing. in just five years. Unbelievable. The picture of her in Dublin is one of the things that constantly comes out. Plagues her, her, her. Yeah. Yeah. Fair and there's another the there's another photo of her from Canada where she was posing as a 14 year old sex traffic victim, which I think she Jeez. did after Dublin, which she probably did in response to that's remember what the the it's what they thought they she knew, was. They thought she, was. she thought she was. There is a poster uh, that is circulated quite wildly around Melbourne that has a picture of her face um, and then it actually doesn't it doesn't have the photo of the GPO. It has a screenshot of the journal dot IE <laughs> with the headline four years after the GPO girl mystery. The woman behind it appeals jail sentence in Australia as the headline. Um, so that is on a poster in Melbourne where people recognize her. So fair play. It wasn't the it wasn't the police that recognized her. It was a worker in that mental health facility yeah. who spotted her and was like, there's Samantha as a party. And what's funny is she has maybe kind of like she has kind of a wide-ish nose is probably the most identifying Fruit. feature on her face. No, but like if you look in her face, she's got a very like, n- like she's very undistinguished looking, you know, you'd walk past her. Yeah, she's a blender. A blender, which is, I suppose, like crucial for people who are international con artists. <laughs> like it, bad ones. It's not a face that would burn it. Like, you know, Frederick, Frederick Boudouin with the ears who pretended to yeah, be the, yeah. the imposter. Um, he's so distinct looking. His you know? eyes and stuff. And, and his like, yeah. he has a little beauty spot and he's got these kind of like, um, he's got sort of his teeth have, he's got a distinct teeth. Like I could probably sit down and draw Frederick to a recognizable standard but like as soon as i stop looking at this picture of samantha i forget what she looks like mm. like she's that kind of face it's just immediately out of it totally unforgettable i hope she's not listening but just totally un- just she totally forgettable needs to hook up with the hungarian orphan romanian orphan who is my next time? i watched the whole episode did you i watched snippets dr phil interviewed finally an interview with Natalia, what the fuck is her second name? Um, Natalia, I'm going to tell you now because I have it open here. Many of Natalia you Grace this. Barnett. Natalia Grace Barnett. That's right. So Natalia Grace Barnett, am I right in saying that she is still going? She's still going by the surname of previous parents, Michael and Christine Barnett, who are still facing charges of abandonment. Mm. She's, she's kept our name. Yes, the, she's kept their name because... Well, because I presume because she's legally an adult now. Legally an adult. She's claiming to still only be 16. She is... Yes, no, that's right. She claims to be 16. Her new adopted family claims she's 16. Oh, but legally... But legally She's speaking, been deemed she, an adult. She is 33. 
22. 33 now. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because there was a massive... Madness. Massive. So, dis- there was a massive gap in this story occurring and when we heard about it. I do have to say that Dr. Phil... Was on her side. Was on her side, but did have a few things to point out that did make sense. Okay. First thing I thought was like, oh, yeah, was when the Barnetts adopted her, she came with... A load of paperwork. She came with her medical history. She came with an official adoption. You know, blah, blah, blah. And the medical paper said that she was six. That's right. But even if she was eight or whatever age, what what age was she? 16. So. Fuck's sake. This this one's complicated. Go back and listen to the episode after all of this. You Um, know it from the news anyway. You know it from the news. It was the couple who inadvertently. Basically, he was like, she couldn't have forged those notes. So who did? And I was like, good point, Phil. That is a good point. Well, I don't think if she, she wasn't six, but if she was actually 16, she could have forged those notes. No, maybe. we had a look at the notes. Okay. They were all like watermarked and various things. But I don't think, I don't think she forged them. I think she just, because we don't know where she was before she was six. We do know who had her before. We have, that has been outed. Right. But that couple gave her up really suddenly. They gave her up suddenly because they thought she had tried to break the arm of their son. Right. This, Dr. Phil questioned uh, Natalia about that event. And she said, kind of unbelievably, like we used to wrestle a lot. Then one day we were wrestling and I landed on his arm and the mum freaked out. It was actually a really interesting interview. She had an answer for pretty much everything. She did, but sure, she would have been coached before the show. I mean, absolutely. Like I was just moving the coffee and holding the pledge. Like it was exactly. Yeah, it was, so there was what there was. Remember then. What? Okay, so brief, 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 okay, brief sorry. synopsis. Yeah. As far as I remember, this couple, uh, Michael and Christine Barnett, facing charges of child abandonment because they adopted a Ukrainian girl who they believe to be six at the time who suffers from a rare form of dwarfism that has her that means her bones are compressed so they left they the couple moved to Canada with their other highly they had other children and one of them was highly intelligent was going off to college um early like a certified genius they left her they rented an apartment for her um and left her in it they went through this legal battle and many doctors and psycho- psychological assessment, which determined both medically and legally that the girl was actually 18 at the time. An, 20, adult, an adult was 22, at least 22. So they had her, her, her legal documents changed to, to reflect. reflect that. Then she was left in the apartment. They moved off. They paid her rent. They kept it stocked. They were in touch with her for about a year. And then they dwindled out. That happened in like... When was it? 2013? Um, And then earlier on this year, charges were brought against them of child abandonment. It, the story emerged... Um, I don't, There was a reason it emerged so many years later. Six years later. Because there was weird... The Daily Mail, wasn't it? The mother... Uh Gave quotes to the Daily Mail, didn't she? The one who's been Yeah, but the charges have only been brought up now. Well, Natalia has since been... She can't be legally adopted because she's an adult legally. But she's been taken in by a new family. And had... Who tried to adopt her. As of now, 
she's been with them for seven years yes but but years ago they when they found her initially they tried to adopt her they took to the courts the courts determined that she was still an adult and they could therefore not adopt her because she was legally an adult Mm -hmm. they upheld the decision that she was an adult Mm -hmm. and then um she's just been living with them ever since but the reason the charges are so late being brought against michael and christine don't know actually i can't remember but there was a reason for it it was just something it was because i think because her legal age is being contested or something that that would mean yes obviously the charges being brought against michael and christine are child abandonment so because legally she's been deemed to be 22 since 2013 then they can't be charged with child abandonment because she's an adult at the time but now they are being charged with child abandonment, even though the legal stuff, it's still exactly. st- it's complicated. It's very, they are very being charged. Yes. So a, and a separate judge has decided to charge them. That's right. Yeah. So uh, the Daily Mail had all of the info initially. The Daily Mail had the interview with both of the Barnett parents. They even found, then they found what is purporting to be the uh, her original birth mother in Romania. Yes, they said they had Am found I right? her. Is it saying Romania, not hungry ukraine Ukraine. it's fucking sorry everyone ukraine right so they find the ukrainian woman says natalia is her daughter and says she was born in september of 2016 which which would make her a child (laughs) you'd make her a toddler right now 2016 no (laughs) that she was fuck born in (laughs) 19 doesn't matter the this woman (laughs) Who's yet? Yeah, we don't know whether it's totally confirmed or not. Is saying Natalia's my baby. Here's her birthday, and she's correlating. She's she's on Natalia's a child. Yes, this side. woman, this Ukrainian right. woman, said okay. that she had had a pregnancy that her family forced her to give the baby up for adoption because the the baby had, uh, ha, uh, had disabilities, mm. and that was shameful. But there has been no confirmation that that is Natalia. It's just that the story kind of lines up. Yeah, you're right. As in the story kind of lines up with the timeline that Natalia is purporting being her timeline. But there's been no Here's what Dr. DNA. Phil said as well. Like the whole interview. <laughs> Sophie just like, are you writhing around because our facts so are so annoying. loose up here? I know. It's just we went back into the story with, with just very complicated. <laughs> so Dr. Phil interview uh, has Natalia there holding the hand of her current... Uh, mother of the family she's living with who have a lot of other children as well seven or something now Which they seem a lot this day they seem a lot anytime. like it's a nice lot this people day age, isn't it? but there was again more chat about the pubic hair which was fucking uncomfortable again found that uncomfortable and then this the menstrual cycle question came up because yeah that's again. from the original story the original story was pubic hair from the mother yeah period. that yeah. she had she she had found some kind of blood on some clothes to indicate this this yeah, small girl is of, not a child there's she's kind going of two through. parts of the first story mm. they believed that she was an adult because yeah. she had pubic hair and because she was menstruating and because yeah. she had adult conversations mm-hmm. because she refused to play with toys and because she just seemed more intelligent than a child and then also not only was she an adult but she was a psychopath because she attempted to kill the family. She yeah. stood over them as they slept with knives. She tried to poison the mother by putting bleach in her coffee. Mm. And she repeatedly talked about wanting to kill the family. Mm. So Dr. Phil asked her about all of these things. So no interview had appeared with her until Dr. Phil got her. None. Asked her all of these things and she denied everything. Totally calmly. 
Absolutely. There is one part that I thought was interesting and Dr. Phil was like, okay, so if we're to believe you, Natalia, you were seven, eight years old living alone in an apartment. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know any many seven or eight year olds, but there's no fucking way a normal hashtag seven or eight year old, especially one with um, so many physical disabilities, would be able to successfully live on their own cooking meals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, paying bills. Well, no, the bills were covered by (laughs) Michael. Michael. But it's it's you but know. it's true. And remember, in the first story, Michael and Christine were checking in, and Christine realized that she had the little she kids had the little clothes. kids' clothes and the bike, mm. and that she was like, "This this girl's conning people." But also, if we were to believe that she is actually seven or eight, living on her own, did she just go out and purchase those clothes and bikes on her own? Like, where would they have come from? Well, here's another thing. And it is where the story ended and the interview ended. But it was sort of nice. It, because Dr. Phil then said, like, who cares? Who well, cares I what care. age she is? She obviously was, like, in the hunt for a family. Well, the people are being charged with child abandonment. Well, that, they, they care. care. <laughs> but she, they were also, <laughs> they he was care. also like, so what do you want to see happen to your ex, yeah. mom and dad? Your and ex. she was like, oh, I hope they go to prison and pay for what they did. Oh yeah, and I was like, hmm. she kind of was like, I don't, I don't really want them to go to prison, but I think they should go to prison. But then she said, and repent in God. She ended it with, some oh sort yeah, of God. because so this family are family wild are Christian holy. family. Well, yeah. there, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, and then the new mother was like, she's actually lovely. We've had three more kids, and she's been in the in the delivery room. Um, now, like it was real. He at one point was like, did you, did you do the bleach in the coffee thing? And she was like, there's a reasonable explanation for all of this stuff. I was, we had missed a spot when we were cleaning and I stood up with the pledge, lemon flavored pledge to get the missed spot. And her coffee was here and the spot was here. So I just moved the coffee and she came out as I had the coffee in one hand and the polish in the other and Ah, she freaked out ah. um and then then they were like and did you ever appear at the foot of the bed with knives and threaten to kill the family she's like if ever i did that it was because i was having a nightmare and i just (laughs) wanted to be consoled but she was really like looking at dr phil damn you when i waved this knife she was um she's really like looking at dr phil and was like no i didn't do that like i don't know Look, I mean, I feel like the I biggest like dick Dr. in the Clear, world, but Dr. I think Phil you're going to be on my side when I say I still refuse to believe she's a child. Well, then you start to feel really fucking sorry for her. Because even if she isn't, look how shitty her life has been. I mean, it's been pretty bad. She's been fucking kicked around loads of different families. Unless she is 33, in which case she has great skin. <laughs> oh, that and where her if she is where are more of the families that she supposedly that she would have been but what about the, no there's more weird details I feel like I haven't watched the full interview but did he address the fact that like they she was supposedly had lived in the Ukraine till she was six yet could not speak Ukrainian no they didn't okay. address that they should have because I am addressing that now <laughs> correct I want her to come in here for an interview 
they didn't address a lot of that background stuff. Yeah, or the the where the family saying, and also the emergency adoption that had happened. Okay, so apparently she'd been with the foster family. They they said that she tried to break the arm of another child. Mm. But before that, where was she? No, we don't know. She can't really remember, these, she said. Who are these 30 foster homes she's claiming to be with? Where are the She didn't really say. How did she come to be? One of the questions we had the last time was how she came to be in the care of the adoptive agency in the first place. We don't have that answer. Yeah, we have <laughs> lots of things we don't know. Therefore, I refuse to believe that she is currently only... What is she, 16, 16. now? I Bullshit. F- who cares? She's happy now. Good on her. She's not trying to kill anyone at the moment. At the moment. Shit, right shit one for those other parents. But hold Watch on. That we know of. around your coffee cup. Do you, that in we fairness, know of. Maybe her she's current her... parents seem a little strange. Maybe they're all killing people. I, Maybe she's off killing people and they just don't know about there it. There is something off about her current parents. The one question I thought if you did watch it or you, you could go back and rewind this, but it's really strange. It's the menstruation question. Yeah. And really uh, she didn't answer First of all, the mum answered and said, she has not menstruated, had not had her menstrual once since we've been here. So, <laughs> And then the dad says, no menstrual. Yeah. So and Natalia, <laughs> Natalia <laughs> says... And then um, the tampons yeah. thing. So Natalia says that... Um, she's 16 now, like she should long have it. But Natalia says that, that, that Christine had made her use a tampon just once because she was she was convinced that she was menstruating and she said that when she took out the tampon there was blood on it and she was like see that's blood and and Natalia was like I mean there was a little bit of spotting I don't know why and then the father kind of leans forward and he was like well that's uh, and then Dr. Phil's like uh, yeah and like uh, it's just so, so many people talking uh, about a child oh my God. menstruating yeah, who's there much- on the couch it's just weird Um I, and the original um, mum's level of involvement in that tampon exchange, very disturbing. Yeah, I mean, I do. You're I'm supposed to of, just be in there for 20 minutes, dabbling it around up yourself until you figure it out. Yeah. Um, That's do you reckon many people way have got it just their arse and walking around with the string hanging out of their arsehole? <laughs> I'd say loads of people. Put it up their arsehole? Yeah, by accident. Like. No oh, way. I don't because know that is an unmistakable accident. sensation. I mean, if you have, do but let us know. But you don't know the sensation. If, if, But you know what I'm saying? The first time. Yeah. Only the first time. Well, it's obviously you're going to be like, oh, this tampon isn't plugging it. And I feel the need to take a number I two. Feel like I am taking a number two, but in reverse. This has gone mad. Anyway. It's gone mad. It started mad. And it dive, dive it's devolved all, into more madness. It's all very loose. I've come back to the table because... I know. Fucking hell. <laughs> come back to I actually couldn't let you guys on up here. Do you have, a, do you have another small <laughs> update? Or are we heading. We're having fun. <laughs> we're just Who going needs back the and facts. And they fun. didn't come to the creep dive for the facts. Go to the Daily Mail for the facts. Come here for the commentary. <laughs> so we take Daily Mail articles and scramble them up and make, <laughs> we make them make even them more illogical. But just truth. to reinforce. Is there any good Daily Mail side We do have a patron, patreon.com forward slash So please pay us to do this. Um, I have one last story for you. And a moose bush. Completely unrelated to our previous creeps, so you don't have to go back and do any more homework. But I do recommend you, at the very least, listen to the GPO. Oh my God, who is she? Because that was in the early days when the research was stronger. 
oh my god what a complete gbo girl hey <laughs> um excellent i have a sad story that uh that gripped a nation it's very short it's a twist it's a good it's a good little creepy kind of tale um this comes up time and time again when i'm researching so i just thought i'd give you a little give you a little thing so this happened in 2017 and it is a double death that baffled police officers and a little tiny village um so lucien perot was 69 and he was sitting down in his table having a meal with his friend Oliver Boudouin who was 31 years his junior that's okay very good um Lucien was retired Oliver was jobless but the two men had established a very close friendship over the years like father and son um said their next door neighbor who had found their bodies on the 4th of August 2017 um, in a little village southwest of Paris. So at first she spotted Oliver lying flat on the ground. Oliver the younger, the younger man who's in his mid-30s. Um, and she just assumed that he was merely sleeping off the alcohol from the night before. <laughs> Completely flat on the ground. <laughs> Pure <laughs> Parisian. Um, just had one too many. A few hours later, she walked past the garden and she noticed Lucien was still sitting at the table. <laughs> at midday. Guys, this is a sad story. Sorry, sorry. sorry. I mean, like she's seeing everything and she's just not reacting. Yeah, she's like, but like she saw, she saw Oliver lying down first on the ground. I was like, ah, there he is. Bonne nuit, Oliver. Bonne nuit. And uh, what's, what's the French for fool? Um, God. uh, Folly. That's pussy or something. No, it's like. Horror. That's a sex worker. Anyway, that's a sex worker. Sorry. All I can think of is is some very rude French words. I'm not going to say. Um, so she called out to them at midday thinking they would get sunstroke if they didn't move and got no answer. And then she co- poured cold water on Oliver and realized. Excuse me. Oliver, That's the realized, first thing you would do. I realized that Bit of a shake on the shoulder. Didn't yeah. move. Both men had died apparently simultaneously amazing poisoned food said the local Carbon prosecutor Remini, remy kutan um though the cause of death remained a mystery at first they thought it had been heavily drinking but it wasn't there was 2.4 grams of alcohol in the blood which is a lot but it's not enough to be fatal i don't think um the faces looked at, at like they were at peace the mysterious deaths reached the local and national press. Some feared the sleepy village would find itself the heart of a sinister crime story. The kind that keeps news starved papers selling in the summer. Poisoning, whether accident or deliberate, seemed a plausible solution or plausible hypothesis. Um, suspicions fell on the tin of beans <gasps> amid speculation. Lead poisoning. Uh, a, a case of botulism. Botulism, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. But the tests were negative. Um, the meal's other components were dispatched to the police for further testing and no poison was found. They were sceptical about the possibility of a joint suicide, noting that Lucien had been in good spirits earlier in the day. Um, 
and the neighbor had a theory that two, one of the two had died, prompting the other to kill himself out of sorrow. By just holding his breath. I mean, there was nothing there. But she wasn't that far off the mark. <gasps> what had happened was no. Lucien, the older gentleman, had choked on a chunk of rib beef the size of a small steak. He could not chew, possibly because A, he was steak. really drunk <laughs> and B, he had several teeth missing. He had no teeth into his toothless mouth. Forty-four. Sorry, guys. When he dies, forty-four grams of meat. It's like a flip-flop. It's it's stuffed a flip-flop. A one-point-five ounce chunk of rib of beef rib. How big is that, Sophie? One-point-five ounces. I mean, like, there's kids born that size. No. Oh wait. (laughs) Sorry. Pounds. I was thinking pounds. Ounces, what, uh, what is that, 200 grams or something? Like a block of butter? Half a pound of butter? Half a pound of butter, probably. Substantial. No. Well, half a, a pound one ounce. No, no, he no. was locked. He was locked. Is a one ounce like a quarter pounder? What happened then? But they just said it was the size of a small piece of steak. It said the I size of a small steak, right? He could not chew, possibly because of his several teeth missing and possibly because of his drunken state. On seeing his friend choke, Oliver, had a pre- who had a pre-existing condition, was so sad he had a heart attack. Oh, God. Sorry, which one was on the floor? The choker? The choker was the older the, man in then, his 60s. And then the fella in his 30s who did have a heart condition. Um, died sitting down. Triggered his heart. He, seeing his friend choke, went into shock. Um, his heart seized and he had a heart attack imagine being like sorry it's not funny sad but like grasp gasping for air and then your friend there, like oh thank god help you just having having a fucking heart attack oh for that's sad that's sad but i mean and but it's weird that they put it in that order like it's possible that like yeah oliver started having a heart attack and then in a rush to in a rush to to get to him then started the choking on the small stage. small stage. does any of it really He was like, sense? I'm coming, Oliver. And then he just just chucked a little quick oh. bite on his way. <laughs> oh, just oh, give me strength while I'm saving my friend. And then... Sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. Um, yeah, so that is... That is Oh, thank you. <laughs> that is on on Sweet. France. Should have saved that for Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah, because on, on, on this report, there's loads of reports, on, but this one particular report, report, I really enjoyed the headline. It's called A Fatal Bromance, The Last Supper of Lucien and Oliver. <laughs> thank you, Cassie. You're welcome. A Sophie, fatal bromance. I'm very excited about the BuzzFeed headline you're going to oh, give us. Back. It's like you knew that I don't have one. God damn it. Come and see the baby zoo. Okay, I'm definitely clicking. Uh, yes, okay. So, gonna take you right back to Canada Year. in the early 1900s. I know exactly oh. what the story is. Yeah, I bet yeah. you do. Uh, is it a baby zoo? Oh, oh, will I just not do it? No, it's years ago that I knew. I think. I'm like sorry, I literally just took that out. from your headline. What? I just took that from your head and I have no idea what the story is. Oh, right, okay. Well, there is a new book out about this story, which is why I think it's kind of like back out and about in the, uh, you know, in Ether. the cultural psyche. And a fabulous creep by the name of At Proper Fud 
sent it to me. Um, so, okay. Basically, this story is about the Dion family who were a kind of poor family grow, kind of living in a very basic uh, rural part of Canada in the 1920s. And so it was the mom and a dad. The dad was Ali Oliva. More Frenchy. Wow. Oliva. And mother was Elzira. I don't know, making up pronunciations. I liked it. Now, Oliva and Elzir were bet into each other. Nice. If their child count was anything to go by. Hit us. So they had... 47. 47 uncanny Cassie What children. the fuck? Did you just guess that? No, I'm joking. Oh. They had five kids, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> 47. I was like, whoa, because I just for the first time ever picked lotto numbers myself during the week. <laughs> Quick I pick. I got it. Okay, so they it's had for the local Ernest, Rosemary. You're actually more chance, better chance of winning if you pick rather than quick pick. Really? Why mm-hmm. is that? Mm. I'll tell you later. See, I think when she you... She doesn't have any real reason. <laughs> Do you? Sorry for interrupting. Keep going. <laughs> okay, so they had Ernest, Rosemary, Daniel, Pauline... And Therese, and um, when Pauline was only 11 months old, Elazir was about to have her next child. Sixth. Her sixth child, exactly. And um, now she suspected that she might be carrying twins. Uh oh. But she didn't realize she had a full litter until. She was giving birth in their very basic rural farmhouse. And the doctor, uh, Dr. Alan Roy Defoe, uh, helped by two midwives, extracted five children. Unbelievable. Oh, a full goodness. litter from poor old Elzir. It's just doubled, doubled the children. So they've gone from five to ten children in the space of... You know, six one years, labor. Seven years. Yeah. Um, Five of them in one thing. I just wouldn't trust them. Like, how can five little babies all survive in there together? Surely there's not. Look at Octo Mum. So, the God, five babies could they all, all together weighed 13 pounds. So, for some reason, at their birth, the doctors and midwife didn't weigh them individually, but they lashed. All of them on the weighing scale together. So, like, were they stuck together? No, no. Oh, they were better. <laughs> so they all weighed, um, basically, yeah, like thirteen pounds all together. I interviewed a woman once who gave birth to a twelve-pound single baby. Amazing. So, oh yeah. Know. So what's your average baby like? Ten pounds, nine pounds? No, seven, like about seven, seven maybe. Yeah. All oh, right. So okay. it's likely that they were all around two pounds each or thereabouts. And they were born early and they, I mean, nobody knew what the shit to do. That's incredible. Because were they, they all alive? So They were all alive, tiny and a lot. They were kind of like not very alert, but newborns can be kind of, you know, but they just didn't know what the fuck to do. They had like uh, wrapped them in old napkins and put them in the corner of the bed um, I'm sure this is pre-incubator, it, pre... Well, they yeah. did have did technology they? like that, okay. but not in this rural farmhouse at this moment. Gotcha. And they did... But the, what they did have somehow very quickly 
was journalists at the scene <laughs> just <laughs> taking pictures. Like within hours of the birth, there is an incredible picture of Elzir lying in a bed, completely Could you even covered. Hold five together at the same time. Well, tiny two. two there, she's not no holding them. They are just arranged right beside her head, and they're so tiny that they're all kind of arranged, just like right there, oh, up on a little tiny. pillow. Do they all survive? Um. Yeah. Well. Mad. Well, okay. So what did they I'm do? They immediately babies. started legs. to um bring the babies uh, like they'd heat blankets and they kept them all together in a wicker basket Cute. the five of them covered in the heated blankets and then they set up this basket um, by the open door of the stove so warm keep them warm. warm and then one by one they'd take them out and massage them with olive oil for every two hours for the first 24 hours they fed water sweetened with corn syrup and then by the second day, they were moved to a slightly larger laundry basket and kept warm with hot water bottles. And they were basically watched around the clock. And the doctors and the midwives were constantly trying to kind of keep them alert. And so then they were fed with formula, mixed with corn syrup and rum to act as a stimulant. Amazing. I mean, I don't really Twas know. It was 1920. It was the mid 1920s. I don't know where anyone was getting any of this information from, but like Elsie herself, the mother, like she she suspected. Oh, I think there's two babies. No, she she didn't even know that you could do five, five. babies. Well, and no, actually, they believed that it was six oh. originally, and that so the babies were called Emily, Marie, Annette. Okay, I'll just drop it. Yvonne and Cecile. And all girls. Yvonne. They're all girls because they think that they all come from a single egg. So, oh, the egg, they were in, so they're identical. So they're, so they're identical. identical and the egg split six, six ways. Wow. I, didn't, I thought like three was the max. I know an I've egg would heard split. that and that then the other egg would be possibly twins or. Yeah, yeah. that you could have. I thought like you could have. You know, two non-identical eggs, both split, and you've got quadruplets. Okay, yeah, yeah. One split in three, one split. You know, yeah. I, I know, haven't heard about this. Splitting, is yeah, I've but just... then again, I don't engage with pregnancy stuff. <laughs> other than host our other podcast, Mother of Pod. Well, it did. So and that's where they, I learned all of my facts. <laughs> they, this is their theory, but it was proved correct later when in the late 1930s they were able to give the girls some genetic testing that proved that they were identical. Wow. That's crazy. And so basically they each, two, two and two shared embryonic sacs. So there was three embryonic sacs um, among the six babies. Right. And that basically Elzir in her kind of early pregnancy had experienced cramps and some bleeding and quite heavy, maybe like passing kind of clots and things. So oh, it's, it's believed that she miscarried um, one of the babies early we, on. Yes, because if they do eggs split. Uh, oh, no, that doesn't make sense, I guess. But I would assume it would split in even numbers. Um, like it's like two, four, six. Eight. Yeah, or but for triplets, is it two and one then? I thought that's the this most. This is conjecture, common. and there's been plenty of that on this episode so far. Ah, Sophie, <laughs> we did our best. <laughs> so, um, basically, like it was an immediate media obsession, and um, they 
it word spread very, very quickly and people came from all over to offer assistance. Basically, a kind of a media camp immediately became established just outside the very mm. rural farmhouse. And people were just openly looking in the windows, uh, reporters and journalists wandering in and out. Um, the hospital sent two incubators. Um, so they were kind of immediately getting a lot of attention, but also help and support. And they did desperately need it because they'd just gone from five to ten children. Mm-hmm. And um, so... They were panicking a bit about how they were going to actually pay for these kids that obviously we were born early and they had like a lot of needs. And so he was kind of uh, torn about the ethics of accepting this help. And he went to his priest um, to ask whether he should offer, should accept offers. Um, like lots of newspapers were putting up money for them to display the babies publicly or to let people pay to see the girls. That's right. And uh, the priest offered to be his business manager. Of course. Jane. I mean, you do it. (laughs) They didn't have an option. Well, yeah. No, I mean, I guess they did. Well, the priest, I feel, could have been like, well, the church can help support you and we won't try and capitalize on your family. But instead he was like, I will take my 25% cut and I'll be your priestly business manager. Well, you know, I don't know what his cut was, but he he didn't offer to be their priest. He offered to be their business manager. So anyway, within a week, they'd signed a deal for tens of thousands of dollars, which was an a, like fortune. inconceivable fortune in the middle of depression era America. And um, so Oliver, Oliver, the dad, signed and agreed that when the girls were healthy enough, they would appear at the Chicago World Fair for six months. Whoa. So the Chicago World Fair is obviously where like probably Tesla was showing off bits and bobs he'd made or and like world's largest ball of twine and these world oh. fairs you know they were kind of like great big shakes back did then did they have sort of a like a horrible freak show element to them Probably. yeah or like well I think back then in that kind of like era it was all about like progress and technology gotcha. and the new stuff like I think like just like the modern you know, day whatever summit. his name was like yeah okay so it was kind of like retro web summit um, <laughs> so anyway the dad immediately then kind of freaked about having signed this contract and was trying to kind of get out of it especially because Elzir was like what the fuck did you just sign and um, so. The and see the doctor and the priest had both put their heads together. The doctor was like w- not letting the girls go. He delivered these babies and he had this weird sense of ownership over them. So basically, ructions when Elzir heard what Oliva had done, and they tried to argue that because she hadn't kind of like signed as well that the contract was invalid, and um, so they could not seem to get out of the bloody. Um, deal and like the Chicago promoters were like um, pushing this through which is 
absolutely insane to think. Imagine. Mm. They were like, no, you have to give us your five babies. And um, in the meantime, like the babies were not well, like they were still tiny. They weren't gaining weight. Mm. Um, The doctor had intervened now, the original doctor, and had brought in nurses and basically established like a completely sealed off room in the house and wouldn't let anyone in to the babies, even their parents. The parents, Elzir and Oliva, were allowed only glimpses because the doctor said that the risk of infection infection and their compromised immune systems. And basically, they just like, Elzir and Oliva just kind of suddenly started to completely lose control of um, the whole fucking scenario. And um, so with the... Chicago World Trade Fair trying to get the babies. A very strange solution was proposed by government officials in Canada. They said, right, sign over custody of the girls to the Red Cross for two years and um, that'll keep them safe from this agreement with the Chicago World Trade Fair. And... In return, the Red Cross will look after the girls and cover the medical costs of raising them, including, you know. But they'll be at the fair. Or where no, would they no, no, they wouldn't be the at family? the fair. Yeah, well, they, they, the Red Cross would take care of the babies, making sure that enough breast milk was shipped in. And they oversaw the building of a hospital that was built specifically for the girls. And it was built like across the road, basically, from the parents' farmhouse. Okay, that sounds good. No, it was oh. terrible. Um, so they moved the baby girls into the hospital and it became even harder for Oliva and Elzir to get time with their children at all. They were basically like sealed off from the world in this sterile place. And then um, the parents decided, now this was a bit of a, dubious decision they decided to go to Chicago as parents of the world famous babies and they made like stage appearances which the government in Canada did not look kindly upon Mm -mm. and they basically used this kind of weird publicity stunt as a kind of leverage to keep their babies from them further and they basically gave the, they made the girls wards of the crown. So I know Canada has kind of their own sort of system and stuff, but basically wards, wards, of, guard, the wards of the state until they were 18 oh years old. Oh my God, what? Yeah, and so the dad was allowed to have a seat on the board of guardians, um, but he hardly ever went because he felt like he was never listened to because the other guardians were the Doctors. doctor... The Minister for Welfare and there's some other lads. So where were the girls being raised? Uh, utter madness. And then so they were stripped of the cust um the custody. And it was all argued that they were that the state was doing this to prevent the girls from being exploited. And that if there was any ma- money made or donations, say, you know, because mm-hmm. people were donating medical, donating medical supplies and things like that, that would all be held in trust for the girls' benefit. And it was all about protecting the girls. 
they way they vilified the parents in the media and kind of portrayed them as like ignorant peasants uh, even though they were constantly trying to beg for the opportunity to prove themselves yeah. the bill was passed so they as i said yeah they um it was decided that the quintuplets would be raised by the doctor and a kind of a rotating um you know staff That's of right. nurses and so then natch because humans are fucking shit the whole bloody all oh, the guardians there to protect the quintuplets best interests immediately turned around did the exact fucking opposite of what they were supposed to do and built a baby zoo <laughs> with an outdoor area where the girls would play twice a day with long observation hallway curved around it for thousands of daily spectators. Bonkers. Bonkers. There was hot dog stands and souvenir shops. One of which was run by one of the midwives who'd helped deliver the girls. What the fuck? A souvenir shop run by a midwife. The other one was run by Oliver, the fecking father. What? Who basically was trying to just be as close as possible. This is like an old, I know Disney movies have progressed. We have Moana, Frozen. They were each other's best friends, blah, 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 blah. This is like old school Cinderella level Disney movie. I'm more shocked than ever. Okay, so they had quint, so-called quint cabins all over the region, which were like little kind of mini pop-up sort of quintuplet tourist offices for tourists. And um, the province where this all was taking place was able to raise the price of gas because of the waves of visitors. Yeah. Was nobody making a noise about the welfare or the parental rights? No, no. I mean, in late the late 1930s, so the girls would be like sort of around seven, eight mark. Quintland, as it was known, was a more popular tourist destination than Niagara Falls. Oh, my God. They were there for eight years. Sorry, they were born in 34. So in 37, they were like nearly four. And so tip that there was merch. There was paid photo shoots for magazines. Uh, The quintuplets were trotted out in ads for dozens of products. Ketchup. Sweets, soap, typewriters. <laughs> and all the money that was coming in was supposedly being put in this trust fund. But then obviously the trust fund was just plundered left, right and center for anything and everything. Like fancy hotel dinners of visiting psychologists, constructing, you know, bathrooms for the tourists to use at the baby zoo. You know, also the photo shoots that they did with them would always be like around Christmas or birthdays mm-hmm. and things like that. But because they'd be doing the photo shoots months in advance, there'd always be like boxes of fake presents and like fake five tiered oh, cakes. Oh my God, this is sick. It's so sick, isn't it? These um, gals, some of them must be still alive. Yes. So the windows of the observation hallway were supposedly kind of obscured so that it was like a one way almost mirror which I don't think that improves it in any way but basically that the girls afterwards said yes of course we knew we were being watched and we'd ham it up for the tourists because we'd been taught to for the cameras and everything 
So they lived in the baby zoo for nine years oh and God. they only left a few times. They were brought once God. to meet the king and queen um, and, and basically promotional visits. You know, this entire time dressed all the same, doing the whole dressed shtick. all the same, doing their kind of five woman show, <laughs> well, five girl show. It was kind of at least it was five of them together. Do you yeah, know that way? yeah, in, in it together, in it together. But I think they just had no concept of what they were in because they had been placed there when they were babies, babies. and they lived there until they were like ten. So they just had no family unit or life. Dad worked on the hot dog stand. And did they know that that was their father? No, I'm not sure. I don't know. But it was just like they didn't at one level know that this was a weird way of life. Um, They actually later said that those were the least complicated years of our lives. Right. Which doesn't say much for what happened next but basically as they were kind of nearing their teens and like Olivia and Oliva and Elise there had never stopped trying to get their children back mm-hmm. um, and they did finally succeed in the early 1940s and um, they from the children's from the girls trust fund built a new um, huge house 19 bedrooms which seems extravagant, but... They have 10 children. Well, they've actually had even more kids since. What? Wow. Why? I know. So they actually had more like 14 kids by then. So I even so support them. They, they actually only 19. had like a couple of guest rooms. Yeah. You know? And so they all were moved back in together, but the years of separation Madness. had done... Serious damage. damage Yeah Like the mother It seems Like never Was able to quite Take to them And seemed to kind of Veer between Sort of Rage And Insults And uh, It just seems Very unhappy They also um, Came out Decades later And three of them Claimed that Oliva Their dad Had sexually abused oh them Oh my god and the other Dion children denied this, like on behalf of their father, because he wasn't uh, alive anymore to 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 I don't know defend himself. But so three of the quints said this had happened. God, <clears throat> um, the hospital across the road where they had lived, the baby zoo, was converted into a very small um, private Catholic school that the sisters were attending. They were allowed to attend and there was other local girls who also went to the school. And at one point, one did confide in the school's chaplain about their father's abuse, but he did nothing, apparently believing if he confronted the parents that they would yank the girls out of school and that... Some contact with the outside world was better than none at all, which is very um, oh, weird, demented. Yeah. demented. And so anyway, they did kind of grow up through their teens and kind of they still were a big source of fascination. So like any Naturally. kind of milestone birthdays, the, the year they turned 14, bizarrely, all their 
individual weights was were published in an article in the Toronto Star. Um, then one of the girls, Emily, had started to have seizures like epilepsy. And basically, you know, epilepsy had a real like stigma attached to it at the time. And um, so because of that, uh, Oliva and Elizir decided not to do anything about the epilepsy, but instead to try and pretend it wasn't happening, which is absolutely baffling. And um, so she was suffering more and more frequently, more and more severe seizures. Um, so eventually, anyway, by their late teens, uh, Marie, who was the one who had shared the sack with what they believed was the sixth baby, who didn't make mm-hmm. it and they'd always thought she was the frailest, actually ended up striking out first at 19 and finally kind of like breaking the kind of weird kind of isolated family mm. enclosed environment and going to arguably a weirder one she joined a convent okay but I it feels like the actions of someone who's like I fucking have to get out of here do you know what though? and I can go here and, and I'm that's young, what and I'm she doing well she needs just to just leave institutionalized yeah. from her whole life and so it makes perfect sense she would return to an institution absolutely yeah and Emily, uh, the sister with um, with epilepsy, actually followed suit but joined a different convent. And then just shortly after she joined the convent, she died from complications from her Reli- epilepsy. Oh, shite. And she was only 20. Oh. And so then Natch, when she died at 20, all the newspapers had to have a picture of the remaining quints grieving Jesus. beside the open casket oh, oh my, my god of course utter madness so um i'm just gonna google that is it available is that picture available i don't know um sorry and just uh they did have um a few little kind of roles in hollywood films and things like that when they were in their teens that was a little enjoyment for them. Uh, so then the others went on to, um, you know, kind of marry and have children. And um, another sister, Marie, um, in the 1970s, she was living alone. Um, she had recently her marriage had broken so down. I'm googling photographs of and them. She had the photographs are bonkers. The photographs are insane. like they're all staged. All Every single one of them, madness, and repeated over and over yes. and over. It's every really year. So anyway, so Marie in 1970 was living alone, and she had um, uh, put her kids into foster care, I think, and basically uh, they found her dead um she'd been dead for several days the, her sisters had been worried about her and it seemed like she had died from a blood clot mm. um i think there's some suggestion that that isn't entirely accurate okay um god so then that left uh three sisters and after she died the sisters kind of really retreated they were imposing with this body 
they were like, fuck that. No way. So then, right, you know the way the whole trust fund had been completely pillaged and depleted? So one of their um, sons in the 1990s, um, you know, basically he was looking at his mother and his sisters and they were all like really struggling in their lives, trying to pay their bills and they were getting older and older, you know, like um, in their kind of 60s. And so Cecile's son insisted that they needed to kind of um, petition the Canadian government into giving them a portion of the profits um, that they felt they were owed. Of course. It was such a giant blunder on the part of the state. And so for this purpose, they kind of finally spoke to the media for the first time in decades and kind of revealed like the misery that it sort of spidered out in their lives as a result of being stored in a baby zoo for like 10 years. Yeah. So they were eventually given four million in a settlement. And um, this is uh, so then like the two sisters um, are now 1985, the last two living sisters, Cecile and Annette. Um, But unfortunately, the son who was like, let's try and get your money back, disappeared with Cecile's share of the money. Fucking hell. So in a terrible twist, she is once again... Uh, dependent on the state and lives in a state run nursing home and they rarely speak with the media only uh, occasionally they come out and say like there was one couple in America uh, who had um, the sex tuplets who were born in the late 90s and they wrote an open letter to these parents so that's seven babies uh, war- like warning them against allowing too much publicity and so in their open letter they write dear Bobby and Kenny if we emerge momentarily from the privacy of we, s- we have sought all our adult lives it is only to send a message to the McCaughey family we three would like you to know we feel a natural affinity and tenderness for your children we hope your children receive more respect than we did their fate should be no different from that of other children multiple births should not be confused with entertainment nor should they be an opportunity to sell products our lives have been ruined by the exploitation we suffered at the hands of the government of Ontario our place of birth we were displayed as a curiosity three times a day for millions of tourists to this day we receive letters from all over the world to all those who have expressed their support in light of the abuse we have endured we say thank you and to those who would seek to exploit the growing fame of these children we say beware we sincerely hope a lesson will be learned from examining how our lives were forever altered by our childhood experience if this letter changes the course of the events for these newborns then perhaps our lives will have served a higher purpose and obviously it's signed Mm. the then living sisters Annette, Cecile and Yvonne and um, so yeah they were obviously just urging those parents to think think twice so horrifically sad. It's horrifically sad. But, but I, it's also very pertinent because so the uh, a woman from Smithsonian was interviewed in the Washington Post and she um was saying how like she doesn't think like another baby zoo would ever occur but that the whole phenomenon of Instagram and kid influencers mm. like means it sort of could and is it's happening potentially in a different form 
Well, I would. That's an interesting argument. All right. Like, I suppose the commodification, like there is people, not the commodification of your children, but there are people who are earning money off sponsored posts of their children Mm. and like are, are working with baby brands and all that kind of stuff because of their babies. Well, I think most importantly, those, almost, those kids are under, they're not, they're with their parents' consent and blah, blah, blah. These yeah, guys but were, this is the thing, like, you know, you do have to question what is it going to be in 18 years when you're entire, you've grown up with your entire life being on the internet because your your mother has made that decision for you. Yeah. That's mm. going to be a really... Mother and father. Mother and father. <laughs> but I mean, that's going to be a really weird thing because it is, it's forming an image of you in the public eye. Without there are consent. some children's accounts that have run by parents but have hundreds of thousands of followers on them. You know, if my kid could suddenly earn money... I would do that. <laughs> you wouldn't though. You wouldn't. Stop being facetious. Have, you would have created like... <laughs> Devil's advocate. Robin is a baby that could earn a lot of money because she's got There's those a, long eyelashes and that little ponytail. There's like, effort. What about the other one? Not so much. He's cute now but yeah. he's kind of past it. Like, yeah, you know? sad. Oh, he's yeah. over the hill. Over yeah. the kid hill. Mm. But like, we're not talking though like about the kind of passing, you know, I don't know snap photo and snap of a kid no we're but talking about account, like, I'm talking about accounts created on behalf of children of I'm thinking children. Okay, of some fair. particularly yeah, in my mind some kind of like very big there's like an Asian uh, little girl who's about four or five who has like a couture wardrobe yeah but there's, a, there's but I'm thinking examples. about John and Kate plus eight do you remember mm, this show it like oh, yeah, ran yeah, for yeah. nearly ten years and it was uh, it was sex tuplets and a twins it became Kate plus eight because John was kind of uh, got the axe but from wasn't the family. There, and there was, wasn't there an older sibling or that's a different family? Allegations made You're thinking about Duggars. Yeah, yeah. the Duggars. Yeah. But like that's a level of intrusion that's even beyond. Like that's really close to baby zoo territory in my opinion. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Of course, anything that's highly produced like that. But it's, I think it's anything that creates a... Uh, a sense or an image or a a projection like you know that there's like the old theories and philosophical theories of like self and and unhappiness is the disparity between your actual self and your um your wanted self self, essentially like you're that we had there's a couple of different theories but you've got the oldest there's, there's two um selves there's the self you want to be and your actual self your uh-huh. perceived self and your actual self. Then there was like there became three that it was like your and your anticipating self, your doing stuff, all these different things basically. And for years, the theory is that we're unhappy because of who we are and who we want to be and the gap in between the two. Mm. But nowadays, we have ourselves, who we want to be. And who we portray ourselves to be. How yeah, interesting. Yeah. But if that, ter- and that's, that's I think, why there's so much. Extra it's, space it's, for misery. There's extra space <laughs> for misery because there's like the self that you know that you are. There's the one that you're portraying online and or whatever. And neither one of those might align with the who you want to be. Mm. It's what you feel pressured to do, what you're actually doing and what you know you 
could be doing or your potential self or whatever very like. interesting i think that there's it's interesting to look at but if you are then someone who's growing up and that your projected self or the self that's online is being controlled by someone else that then adds another dimension, dimension and uh, and adds another variant and that should be not allowed not should be considered i think well i think childhood should be protected absolutely and it's you're right about the fact that the, our children are in public in a way they never have been before yeah and it's every almost every child now yeah. whereas back in the day maybe the odd child might have been picked up by an advertising campaign or a movie child actor but now but also it's i think it, it because we've had social media for so many years now that you know you did things you had looks you behaved in ways when you were younger that are part of exploring and part of figuring yourself out and and that should remain not necessarily obviously your peers see them they don't have to remain private that's what i'm saying but like you they're forgotten now Mm. there there were hair colors we had there were things we did i was a born again christian like there are things that i'm not held accountable yeah Yeah, like i'm not but like i'm not held i can talk about them or whatever but like there's no record of them so therefore i'm not held accountable to them because it only exists in people's minds and it only exists in the way that i tell people about exactly. it now it only exists in context which is back yeah then. and i can control how it exists mm-hmm. and i can control how people perceive it and obviously people have their memories of it or whatever but like it's my experience but if you're documenting all of that online and keeping it there then you can be held accountable to it or you mm-hmm. can be you know it can be used against you but even for your own self to look back and it will fuck with your memories yeah what actually happened yeah and i think that people who are i'm not not saying don't put put stuff up of your children and all that kind of stuff like fair enough i think that instagram i think that the internet can be used as a really nice time capsule in a gallery as long as it's as close as possible to your actual self Mm. um and they're the, they're the, if you're not creating that disparity between the two, then there shouldn't be that many issues. But I think if you're controlling it and creating accounts on behalf of other people, then that should be something that's you know. very, very. You're definitely good playing point. with fire. Yeah, yeah. It's scary, but Don't, it remains yeah. to be seen what those children will think. I feel like we'll study this time and all agree later on it was all a very, very bad idea. Yeah, I know. Deleted, they, they I look mean, back on yeah. John and Kate plus eight and be like, "That was a baby zoo, guys." Yeah. Yeah. But we could look back on all these things. Like we're in such a public domain, and you know, we can look back on everything and probably think it was a bad idea. These podcasts, definitely, definitely. <laughs> but these, but podcasts, I think, and long form content is different because it's there is less. They're contextualized. To, yes, and yeah. there's less. You know, we can't hide our. You know, you you can't be a consistent personality for two hours a week on a podcast Mm. that's going out weekly or whatever like we're going to slip up we're you know we are close to our authentic selves we're close to our actual selves on this Mm. we're not perceived trying to project ourselves in some way that's not true i mean like yeah which probably accounts for like a big part of the popularity of podcasts Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think that's why they're so popular now is because they're authentic and you know you have that closeness with them mm. but yeah 
I don't know. I deleted all my social media because I'm still in that exploratory phase. Exploratory. But no, I do. I just feel like I don't. uh, I don't want to have. Not that I. 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 You know. I. What I I deleted because I found it distracting. I didn't like the time I was spending on social media. I wasn't gaining anything from it, and I didn't like the way it meant. I didn't like the way. I felt about posting. So I it wasn't that I was comparing myself to other people. I was posting pictures of my baking, but making sure I was getting a nice picture of my kitchen. Yeah. You know? And when yeah. I realized that about myself, I was like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be doing that to myself. Like, so I just cut them out and do I just recommend? send pictures of my baking to my mom. Do you recommend it? Do you feel better? Uh, Yeah, I definitely feel better. And I feel, I feel a lot better going to social occasions and genuinely not knowing what other people are doing and feeling like the conversations are a bit more authentic because I know that they don't know what I've done this week Mm. and I genuinely don't know what they've done this week so when I'm talking to them I'm not like trying to hide the fact that I gotcha that I've been on their Instagram that I've known they were in Australia that like it just felt a bit weird so uh, yeah, yeah so. we were talking about this on the way in and how we never really watch the Instagrams of people we are friends with or know well. No, it's too uncomfortable. Like, not that much, really. Yeah. Like, it's just funny then to meet them and pretend, <laughs> you know, you're having the same conversation. You're talking about the same shit that they've... I know, I'd be like trying to tell you my news and yeah. I could always tell if you're like, like I've seen this man. on your Instagram. Like, word for word. Word for word. <laughs> like, you're not even changing it up from the captions of... Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like when I joined Instagram, I thought like I noticed immediately like that it was like a slot machine, like in Vegas, like with every yeah. post, it's like pulling the lever and being like, is this the post that's going to get 100 likes? Mm. And that's, yeah, interesting the way you're saying you noticed your own response and yeah. that that was the biggest alarm and it, bell. But if that and like if that was how I was feeling about what I was posting, then I think subconsciously I was obviously taking on what other people were doing in some level. Of course. Mm. That now just like not knowing is it's not like like it, it's not jealousy. It's not something. But I just don't like to have that comparative. I know now that whatever I do is because I'm doing it with the best of intentions for what's right for me. And not because and not yeah, and not because I want to show people that I'm doing it, or not because I want other people to know what I'm doing, or not to feel like I should have to prove something. Like every decision I make is my own. Yeah, I definitely went through a big phase of really resenting Instagram and the fact that it doesn't feel like it's uh, an option. Like, and it doesn't feel optional to me as a writer and like someone who's going to make work and want to try and promote it somewhere mm-hmm. and yeah. like then I kind of did get past that and was like it, oh fuck's sake just have fun with it and whatever it's yeah. there as something else but of I think course, a big like, part of like that was also starting podcasts and being like well no there's another there's other yeah platforms and ways to engage and tell stories to people mm. too and it's not all about this kind of app and it is and I numbers, think you, you, you get know? really I suppose like having that was for me for a long time as well I was like I can never delete it I need it for work and I use it for work and I still have the tall tales Instagram and yeah I still find myself picking up my phone and I'll go through but now I'm watching two or three stories and putting my phone down and being like I don't know these people <laughs> like I consciously don't 
follow my close friends mm. on Instagram, like with the with the Tall Tales account, and I don't and even the fact that like I don't post like between what you know your friend is and this different person you're seeing a slightly different yeah know, like you're seeing Instagram presence and it, it you're like it's a bit uncomfortable version of them yeah and you're, you're like, like no huh. That's different. What are we all doing being yeah. weird Instagram robots? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slightly, yeah. because of course yeah. you, you would never... It's, it like would be sometimes I'm doing stories and I catch myself doing Instagram face that I've gotten off someone else. Yeah. Like, you know, this one where you're like, oh, I'm so, exasper- so exacer- exacerbated. So exasperated. Exasperated. And you go... And actually what it is, is you're pretending, it's a kind of an like exasperated exhale, but you're blowing your lips and you're actually settling into an intense pout at the end of it. Yeah. I swear I've seen other people do it and then I started to feel it was catching. And I was like, you're doing it. You're doing the Insta face. In the, um, in the sequel to Filter This, and I'm not just plugging. It is relevant. But it's relevant. Highly relevant. Like I'm right, I'm nearly finished it. And it's been, there's been lots around this for Shelley Devine, who's like the main influencer character um, and her daughter and her feelings about uh, kind of using her daughter as a part of her content Mm. and things like that. And like so in it, you know, her daughter is starting to kind of respond and have her own uh, feelings about being displayed. And I think like that sort of like that mm. was so, it was something I started to really think yeah. about, especially as like female kids, well, you, where they're yeah. already like so focused on their appearances. Like I have to catch myself all the time, either to like try not to tell little girls that they're beautiful, yeah. or try to just like even it out a bit and exactly. tell little boys they're beautiful too. But I think it's just difficult to see your own children as separate entities to yourself. They just feel like an appendage for, you know, because they yeah, are yeah, yeah, for yeah, so of long. Course. And obviously I put mine on my Instagram. Like I don't have like a policy that's hard and fast. Mm. But like we were talking about this earlier as well, me and Jen, but like I definitely am very aware of Rufus and his age and I don't really put his face that much no, anymore no I think but I think there's kind of like a point where I came to but like that's me like and I don't actually have strong opinions about yeah, but other also, people like, putting their kids your, around your content is very authentic bar your pouty face that you're doing after <laughs> your exasperated thing like it is very much your well, family pretty and pouty when yeah, I do it yeah. well you do do it naturally in real life as well so therefore more authentic <laughs> it's not you're not creating a Rufus for Instagram you haven't got this like curated curated shiny child that is going that is then going to become this standard of child that this that Rufus (laughs) IRL isn't you know and it's not going to be something that you, someone can hold up against him and say, well, I thought this was who you are. Or for him you know? to feel like yeah, I don't match that. that. That's the yeah. thing that you you want. Yeah. Whereas I think if there's kids who are now coming of age and coming into their teens where they've they've had mothers have these perfect accounts of them, then I think that that's going to be And I think you're right, difficult. especially those ones where... It's the child's standalone account. Yeah, that's what I that, have the issue with. Yeah, they they are very strange. Mm. And but I'd then it's, it's an addict. It's got an addictive quality to it from a parent's perspective. Like, yeah, obsessing on this other person that they can totally control, 
and then obsessing on the image they can control. It's it's yeah, totally... and especially you can see how tempting it is yeah. because parenthood's so chaotic and scary yeah. that you can I can really see how tempting it is to be like, do you know what? It's fucking nice to make a nice picture here because I'm fucking terrified mm. of the future of our kids and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. You know, it's kind of. It's a cycle of anxiety. On a real, real, very quick random one further on multiple babies being exploited. Right after the Dion um, Quints were born, there was um, a quads born in the 1940s to a black family. And this incredibly, almost exactly the same kind of exploitation started from Dot with the full squads, as they were called, and they were sisters as well, where basically the doctor who delivered the babies, like, seized control right down to the fact that he named them. Weird. Weird. And not only did he name them, he named them all Mary. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> For his <laughs> mother. Really? Yeah, Mary God. Louise, Mary Anne, Mary Alice, and Mary Catherine. Who put there was some? I saw something <laughs> a tweet there during ridiculous. the week, and it was like someone grandparents. Uh, year, it was an Irish person tweeting. Sorry if you're listening to Creep Heaven, I can't uh, remember who tweeted this, but it was someone who was looking at their grandmother's yearbook, and they were there was a thing called the Margaret Club, and they were all called. <laughs> it was like Margaret, the, Margaret. The, right? I was like, that is fucking brilliant. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. We must have talked about four hours we've, now. We've recorded. It's been a long time since we've done, but done a two-hour. Is this Whoa! two hours? Two oh hours. Really but sorry. there was lots of chat at the start that okay. we cut out. And if Sophie's reactions are anything to go by, we need to go and tidy up the facts of our stories. <laughs> Fuck no. Can I do one tiny plug? The it is very very relevant and a very good read. Filtered this available in all good bookstores. <gasps> no, Time no, to I vote for it for, for vote the for book. it for Ampost for yes. Ampost Awards. If It'll you be in love me at Sophie's. All. Um, it's nominated for an Irish Book Award. I'm in a very tough category. I'm so lucky to be nominated at all. Please go and click the link in my bio on Instagram at Soph White. Um, and, and if you don't want to read it just buy it and hang it up on your wall because it's got a gorgeous picture made, on the front. Yeah, made, made by, by Cassie. Cassie designed and illustrated by Cassie and also genuinely if you don't want to read it still just please go vote for it in the Irish Book Awards and also while you're there vote for Other vote Words for, for, for smoke, smoke by Sarah Griffin who mm. is also on our Tall Tales Network family she's in the young adult she is. fiction category and Why I age? just really super duper would appreciate it. Thanks, bye. Come hit us up at Creep Dive yeah. on Instagram. Sophie's gone. She's after leaving the creep building. She's run out the Twitter <laughs> and Tall Tales if you want for an email. Thanks, Cassie. Yeah, so if you if you send us a DM and you're looking for an email, Jen's taken to just saying Cassie at Tall Tales. You can contact Cassie. Have you? Yes. No, no. Absolute creep. No, no, no. There was just people looking for an email address. Yeah, and the creep yeah. Dive doesn't have one. Except for that. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. right. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.